Rolling, here we go. Yeah, hey. With Marco Farr, J.B. Long. We're talking about Bruce Smith. <laughs> On the way out at halftime with the Jets in front of the Bills, 20-10. to 10. Uh, where should we start? Should we start on Monday night and work the our debacle? way forward? The, I'm, I'm trying to think of a name. What do you call that? The butt whooping in Santa Clara? Uh, the blanking in, <laughs> in the Bay? I don't know. I mean, it just uh, just a, a miserable performance that keeps getting worse every time you see it. So uh, I don't think that was the real Rams. And I don't think that was the real 49ers. I know that sounds like, a, like Homer speak, but I, I think the Rams are better than what they played. Um, so if Seattle fans or anybody out there, if they're expecting a, a walkover on Sunday, I think you've got another thing coming. But I hope there's some leadership within that locker room, uh, in the L.A. Rams locker room, that uh, will we'll, we'll let the youngsters know, let the team know that how they performed is unacceptable. It can't come from the coaches. It can't come from the coordinators. It's got to come from the locker room. So you're telling me the 49ers are not 28 and the Rams are certainly not. Zero. The uh, yeah. truth is somewhere in between. Definitely. I give them props. I thought Chip Kelly uh, got his team ready to play. Um, you know, I was trying to think of which team had the most distraction going in to Monday night. You know, was it San Francisco with the Kaepernick deal or was it the Rams with hard knocks and the move? Um, just a lot of things that were, were happening to those teams outside of football. But look, uh, on game day, when you tee it up, you got to play. They played better than you. You lost on game day. That's the way it goes. You and I were both out at Cal Lutheran this afternoon mm-hmm. to observe practice, and there's a, a strange comfort that comes with the routine of practice. There's there's an incubator there where 28 nothing and 0-1 doesn't really seep in. Yeah. The players look like they had visibly moved forward. Was that your perception as yeah, well? You know, it's funny. If, if you just woke up from a coma and went out to a practice after someone lost, it, it would appear like – as if the players don't care. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, you have to move on. Uh, even if you had beaten San Francisco 28 to nothing, you still have to move on and get ready for Seattle. So uh, it's around Pluto. I mean, that's it's, it's out in space now. You can't get it back. You've already lost. So you have to move on. There's no sense in dwelling on it. I mean, you can't make one loss last two weeks. So you have that 24-hour rule from Monday to Tuesday, and now it's time to get ready for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. So that's just the way it goes. The fact that it's the home opener, the fact that football is back in Los Angeles, the fact that the Seahawks are coming to the Coliseum and bringing yeah. Pete Carroll with them, does that help emotionally get past a shutout defeat? Well, you know what? I mean, that, I think that might, be, that might be the best thing for, for Jeff Fisher right now because you don't have to fire up your crew. All you have to say is Pete Carroll's coming back to the Coliseum. You know how he's going to practice up in Seattle. You know they're going to be ready as soon as they step off the bus. So... You better be ready. And there's no friends in this business. They will run it up. Uh, They're looking to embarrass you. Um, I I heard from a coaching friend of mine, Mike Martz. He said the job of the opposite coach is to get you fired. Uh, Pete Carroll would like nothing nothing, uh, better than to get Jeff and this crew out of here. It saves his gig up there. So they're coming to play. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, You guys scared the hell out of me earlier. You read the weather report. It's going to be how hot? It looks like it's going to get to the 90s. Okay, enjoy the booth. You and Maurice, enjoy the booth. Air conditioned up there. I'll be on the field burning up. But in terms of a competitive advantage yeah. against the boys from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I guess it could be Turn some. it up. It's not so bad, though. I mean, Turn up the thermometer. Turn the up the heat. thermostat. Yeah, I mean. Turn the, up the crowd. Jeff Fisher wants it loud in the Coliseum. It's going to be. It should be. And um, if you're going to the game this weekend, I know a lot of people are. Uh, make sure you can help that defense out by being incredibly loud on third down. Russell Wilson is a magician, man. I mean, 
look, if he has the benefit of a hard count on the road, you've got no chance. You've got to make it either first sound or on one. That's how loud it's got to be to help your defense out. And even with that, it's going to be tough to get that little guy on the ground. We'll talk about the matchup with the Seahawks in week two. We'll take your questions as well. Feel free to tweet at us at ESPN Los Angeles or at JB underscore long. We'll have a segment with uh, listener questions and we'll put them to D far one more before we wrap up our first segment. Please more golf questions. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. but that is um, (laughs) the mentality from the defensive side of the football. Look, they could have held a few more sevens for threes. We know that, but there were some positive things on defense when you're in that personnel group and your offense comes away with a goose egg. What's that dynamic oh, you're, like? I mean, look, you're all the team, but, I mean, look, you, you know what happens. It's hard to defend zero, you know, but, look, they put 28 on you. Uh, there wasn't an offensive or a defensive score by the 49ers. It was all on you. So, yeah, you have to get better there, um, no doubt. And, uh, look, I don't think anybody played their best game. Um, even I think the, the thing that sums it up for some players is what Aaron Donald went through and how he just lost it for a minute. I don't think that was all 49ers. I think that was frustration on his part about his own players, the guys he's playing with. Look, man, when you're splitting double teams and and winning one-on-ones, I mean, consistently, and the ball keeps moving forward towards your goal line, it'll drive you nuts, man. And then you've got some little guy chirping in a different colored jersey. Yeah, you might put your hands on him, you know? Now, stop when it becomes an official, or they're going to throw you out. But I, I understand that frustration, so... You have to match his intensity. So I, I, it's going to show up on film. And that's the worst thing, let me tell you, man, is when one guy is balling out on defense, when you're watching it as a unit, as a team, and you're not. Uh, that's going to make you raise your level of play, guaranteed. He is DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long. In this hour, we will hear from Jeff Fisher. We will hear from Todd Gurley. Is he predicting a win against the Seattle Seahawks? Professional football back in L.A. at the Coliseum. And we'll have more for you on Rams All Access here on the ESPN LA 710 Network and the ESPN app. Setting number two of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long here on ESPN LA. Tweet us at ESPN Los Angeles at JB underscore Long if you have a question for this hour as we preview week two against the Seattle Seahawks. Can I answer one real quick off Twitter? Short quarterback, short receiver. Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> it's always going to be tough to find Tavon you got, Austin. You got Twitter up right now on your phone? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, we established last week that you've only tweeted twice I, in yeah, your life. So I, you do know where the app is. I do, yes. And I just, you are logged in. In. I just haven't tweeted that much. I'm, I don't think I have that okay, much Okay, well then why say. am I sitting here giving out my handle? Give him yours. Oh, DeMarco Far One. People, yeah, he just, short quarterback. I'm answering this guy's question. Short quarterback. Short receiver. It's going to be hard for Case Keenum to find Tavon Austin, especially over the middle, especially when you're facing a front like the 49ers, 6'8", six, 6'7". Six, it's kind of obvious, right? Uh, when Jeff Fisher took the job, um, I believe his, uh, his, his infatuation with Sam Bradford was how tall he was. Tall quarterbacks can see the field. Think about all the great quarterbacks that are playing right now, with the exception of Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. They're, they're all pretty tall guys. They can see over the line of scrimmage. So if you're Rob Boris, you got to be very, very inventive and creative to find ways for Case Keenum to find Tavon Austin down the field. All right, so let's stick with Case. I think there was reason for optimism going into San Francisco because of what he did late last season as the starter. You know, 3-1 and yeah. one down the stretch. Could have been 4-0 and oh if Todd Gurley plays at Levi's Stadium in Week 17. 
He has an offseason to collaborate with Rob Boris. What we saw, I think, caused consternation among Rams fans. Or that's constipation. Lasted, <laughs> that's last year. throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. Good use of C words. Um, but look, the completion percentage, 31st in the NFL last week. Uh, passing yards, 31st. Uh, yards per attempt, last. Not good enough. Uh, we spoke with Case Keenum this week, and he said for him it's a matter of trust, and that's on a lot of different levels. Uh, I overthought a lot of things. You know, if, uh, if the word overprepare is, uh, you know, something I think that uh, I've seen ghosts, I was, I was seeing things that weren't there, I wasn't trusting myself and my abilities, um, you know, something that, uh, you know, I try, tried too hard, and I uh, just got to let the game come to me, take what, take what the defense gives me, Trust my teammates. Uh, they do a they do a great job and uh, get the ball in my hands to the right place. Wow, that does not inspire confidence. <laughs> Is trust enough to exercise those ghosts that he's seen? I hope so. I mean, look, um, if he was just caught up in the moment, and it could have been, it's Monday night. It's it's a tough deal for him, and it's it's his first opener as starter. So maybe it's you know it it, it got a little uh, it got away from him a little bit. What? If you don't trust yourself, that means the next time out, just play football. Grip it and rip it and just have some fun out there. Um, look, every defense, in my opinion, is going to be ahead of most offenses coming out of training camp. It's just inevitable. I mean, your playbook is smaller. Uh, your installation um, progression is going to be shorter than an offense. So, And guaranteed, you're going to see some looks that you haven't seen on film. Some stuff is going to shock you uh, and, and really – kind of surprise you but that is the situation or or the problem with having a first year starter and a first year coordinator you know they're both learning on the job at the same time uh look at greg williams and the adjustment he made in the game on monday night uh for a half they were killing you then you go into ha- go into uh the locker room for halftime come back out make an adjustment defense does a great job four three three and out You're right four straight three and out right and you need to see that same adjustment on the other side of the football but uh you know all that stuff is going to come in time we hope but um that offense that whole game pl- plan will look a whole lot better and would have looked a whole lot better if Todd Gurley had broken a few long runs Case Keenum on the road now, just 1-7 as a starter. That lone win came at Seattle in Week 16 last season. I want to get to who will dress as his backup this weekend in just a second. But first, here's the head coach on last week's starter, Case Keenum, who will again get the first nod. And he says, look, it goes beyond 17 this week in terms of total improvement. That would be a no. Uh, Not at this point. Uh, We're going into Week 2. Uh, Jared's done a really good job since, since you know, post-draft, and he's learning, and each and every experience that, that's presented to him, he benefits from, and we thought that it would be, you know, with Sean having the, the extra year experience over Jared, just for Jared to just kind of see that stuff last night is he realizes how hard it is. It's not easy. You know, and so, but it, it doesn't do, doesn't speed up to answer your question. There's a chance. I mean, we may decide in a week to, you know, like I, like we intimated last week to, you know, maybe we'll flip Sean and Jared. So maybe Jared becomes a two this week, but I'll see how the week goes and we'll see how, you know, how Case does. So that was Tuesday night at Bogies, and we invite you to join us there for the Jeff Fisher Show Monday nights following games starting this week when we get back to a normal game Sunday week. A couple of things there. Uh, the no was in response to did you consider starting Sean Mannion given what he did leading the come-from-behind victory against Dallas. That was in response to a viewer question. 
Um, what we're looking for there is is Case Keenum and his improvement week to week. And right. Jeff's answer was he needs to be coached better. He needs better help from his receivers. He need better. It, it, it's a holistic thing. It's not just number seventeen improving from week one to week two. No doubt, and that, that's a smart head coach. I mean, you don't want to go ripping your quarterback on radio or in the media. So you put it on every well uh, on everyone else, and that's accurate. I mean, you have to block better, you got to run better, and you have to coach better. Um, so everybody is uh, responsible for how he played. But you know, a lot of that goes back to what Case said in the. Uh, the first soundbite. He's just got to trust himself. Some of that stuff was there, man. Some of that stuff was was there. And they just didn't either complete the pass or execute the play properly or had penalties that screwed up the entire drive. So I'll, everyone has to get better. But you, you can't excuse Case Keenum for, for how the offense performed. He is the quarterback. Outside of the head coach, he's the only guy in uniform that has a win-loss record attached to his name. So it's on him. It's on the coach, and it's on 17, but you have to give him better support, no doubt. Of course, the other part of that answer was uh, Jeff Fisher going back to the loss in week four of the preseason at Minneapolis, announcing that Jared Goff would be inactive, that he would start the season as the number three, but hedging that going forward a little bit, saying we could switch that as soon as between weeks one and week two. Uh, We saw Jared Goff taking some reps at practice. Uh, Coach Fisher still has not announced who will be the official backup the two, for the Rams yeah. this weekend. What's your anticipation for how that goes as we get set for the home opener at the Coliseum? I would bet it's Goff. Um, that would have been the natural progression. I mean, the only thing that's different about uh, this week with Goff is the Rams got shellacked. They got shut out. But I would bet that he was going to move up the two anyway, regardless, had they beaten San Francisco. You have to get him ready to play. And, look, uh, if the Rams and the Seahawks, if the Rams wind up, blowing the doors off the Seahawks in the Coliseum, and you've got a chance to get him in, you'll get him in. Uh, If the Rams go on a streak, you may tell Jared Goff, hey, Case is going to start, but you're going to take a series. You see how they do it in college. Uh, Eventually, you're going to work your way up to starter, but you can't get on the field unless you're dressed. The only way to do that is to move him up to two. I feel sorry for Sean Mannion, but that's just the way the ball bounces. That's the way it goes. Can I make a point? Uh, Funny, when he said uh, Goff, talking about Jeff Fisher, that Jared Goff got to see what the NFL was like from the bench. Um, I remember, this is funny, because Clyde Simmons is here now. And when I was on the bench as a rookie, watching him chase down Chris Miller, and this is when we were in Anaheim, and it was uh, a, a grass and baseball field, so the dirt. And he hit Chris Miller right in front of our bench, and Chris's head hit the dirt, and it sounded just weird. And it just, this is the real deal, man. This is no joke. This is no game. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is for keeps out there. So my eyes got big. So I could imagine for, you know, a guy that's going in at quarterback, what he must feel like watching from the sideline. This is real. If I don't know what I'm doing, not only will I hurt the team, I can get killed out here. It's real. So, I mean, watching could be the best thing that ever happened in God. I was going to say, do you feel like it benefited you when your eyes pop like that? Do you think it had near and long-term benefits well, for your career uh, you've uh, when you go to high school or elementary school to junior high to high school it helped to go to orientations right you're nervous you don't know anybody i don't know where to go you go to orientation you get to look around oh it's not so bad and it helps you just that little bit now you got to go back at, back there and work and, and be a good student but same thing with golf you know what this isn't so bad i've been playing this my whole life i can do this it helps your confidence and what didn't happen you didn't lose and you didn't get killed it's going to help I will say when you go to high school, you don't start with AP calculus, and that's the equivalent of what facing the Seattle Seahawks 
would be. <laughs> right. Because whether it's Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor, this is now the four-time defending top defense in the National Football League in terms yeah. of points allowed over the course of a season. So that's who's coming to town. And they're going to bring it on you. I mean, I, I would bet that their game plan is to get to Goff. By, Starting with Keenum. No, to get to Goff. Oh, I see what you're saying. By that knocking is, out that Case is 16 Keenum. is dressed. <laughs> right. Ready or not, he's going to make his debut. Exactly. I, I, okay. I bet their game plan is to get to him at some point in the game. But uh, look, man, as a defender, you can smell it when the guy under center doesn't know what he's doing. When you move as a defense or you shift coverage and he's not making the appropriate check that a vet would make, you almost start to laugh. And then when you get to him scot-free and you see the V of his neck, you almost start to feel sorry for that guy. Like, what are you doing out here if you don't know what you're doing? But it's a football game. It's on Sunday. It counts. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Coming up next, Todd Gurley. Is he confident in a victory on Sunday as he gets set to face a Seahawks defense that has not allowed a 100-yard rusher in 23 games and counting? That's coming up next on Rams All Access here on ESPN LA, 710 and the ESPN app. Shout out to my boy Tree. We're going to get a win this week for sure. I mean, I just feel like after a loss like that, you're just so ready to, you know what I'm saying, just to get back at it. So I'm definitely, definitely ready to play Sunday. Rams running back and reigning offensive rookie of the year, Todd Gurley, calling a victory as the Rams return to Los Angeles and return yeah. to the Coliseum Sunday. You think he meant that or just got caught up? Against the Seattle Seahawks. You think he meant that or just got caught up? Like, as soon as that left his mouth, do you think he said, oh my God, I just guaranteed a victory over the Seahawks? I've never read too much into calling victory <laughs> because what athlete worth his contract doesn't go into any Sunday? But you're never supposed to guarantee victory. Yeah, Andre Risen, when I was a rookie, guaranteed victory against us when he was in Atlanta, and he delivered. And it was demoralizing. It was horrible, because that's all we talked about. There's no way he's getting a win when he called us out like that. Maybe Todd doesn't just want to beat the Seahawks. He wants to demoralize them then. I like it. You know what? Why not? You're already in a dogfight. Who cares? Got some questions for you coming up, DeFar, that we took on Twitter, but I think you have some business to attend to first. Uh, Join me this Saturday for the grand opening of the Barbecues Galore in Agora Hills. This is going to be fun. I love barbecue, and I love Agora Hills. That's our new hangout. We're hanging out a lot out there today, yeah. I'll be there from noon to 2 along with Rams cheerleaders, so that's another reason to come out and check it out. Come by for a chance to win an autographed Jared Goff football. By the end of the year, that's going to be a hot item. Uh, tickets and other prizes. So I'll see you out there. Uh, barbecues galore, noon to two, Saturday. See you out there. Good stuff. You coming? You want I barbecue? Be there. Yeah. I'll be uh, doing a little college football. But oh, you'll be you, in the Palouse. If huh? you save me any kind of barbecue. I, I, you don't, I don't save. Do I look like I save barbecue? <laughs> you better get there before I get there. Uh, ready to hit some fan questions? Let's do it. On Twitter, uh, this is from Steve, uh, flying out from Denver for the game this weekend oh. to show his Rams loyalty. Uh, th- here's something that behind the scenes we were all kind of calling for, wondering when was going to happen yeah. Monday night. Take the top off, right? Yeah. MJD wanted to see it. Kurt Warner's in the booth next to us for Westwood One, signaling, you know, throw, yeah, over, yeah. throw over the top, throw over the top. Uh, is that going to happen? Are they going to be able to stretch the Seattle defense vertically, not just horizontally? With whom? Who who do you envision going down the field for the Rams on a nine route? I'm asking you. Which which guy? Tavon Austin? He's got the speed. Does he have the ball skills to come up with one if he's not three yards ahead of the defender? Kenny Britt? Can he get enough separation down the field? And can Case Keenum get the ball down the field? 
in time for a deep pass. So I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I, I think it's more of, you know, three, four yards in a cloud of dust and throw off play action. And your your deep balls are going to come from, you know, yards after catch and a guy breaking tackles. Uh, but as far as, you know, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers, seeing what Roethlisberger is doing with Antonio Brown, I don't think that offense exists yet in, in, in L.A. It, it might. Uh, we'll, hop, we'll see what happens when Nelson Spruce comes back. We'll see what happens when Farrell uh, Cooper comes back to the lineup. And uh, we'll see what happens when Case Keenum gets another start under his belt. But at some point, yes, you're going to have to stretch the defense. I mean, those Niner safeties were right on the line of scrimmage. They were in the box all day long. They had no fear of you going over the top. You mentioned a couple of names that take us to our next question. A Ram Nation on Twitter, H underscore Maceo asks, what is Cooper and Spruce's availability for this weekend? I hear the next two, one to two weeks. Um, Spruce is uh, nursing that knee, and uh, Farrell Cooper has a shoulder, I believe. But Neither practiced today. Yeah, they didn't practice. But, um, I, look, anticipated return to the lineup, and I think they'll – They'll be inserted into the lineup right away, and they should pay. They should they should give you some sort of production down the field as soon as they touch the field. I hope. You know the all the offensive things are similarly kind of interrelated. Uh, staying on schedule, not facing as many third downs as they did last week. Fifteen third downs, and many of them were third down and long against the Forty ers Only converted three of them. Now that means your offense isn't on the field long enough to get girly touches, especially when you're playing behind. So yeah, it's it's getting vertical as well as horizontal. It's maybe grabbing an early lead with a maybe a defensive stop, a special teams play, whatever it takes, so that you can feed Todd Gurley more and you can get above the two point eight carries uh, per touch last week that they averaged in the running game. Right, you got to help it out, man. I mean, staying on schedule, staying ahead of the chains is huge. And the one thing that you cannot have because I don't think you have the firepower to overcome mistakes penalties you just do not uh drops you know if it's you know if you go from second second and eight and you try a tunnel screen and you drop it now it's third and long well look get the defense up I don't think you have the offense to overcome you know consecutive or you know thousands or hundreds of you know third and longs you're gonna have to keep those third downs to medium or short to be effective Uh, just one thought that kind of popped into mind one of the first things you told me uh, kind of coming to L.A. and getting to join the Rams. Uh, Jeff Fisher has been obviously drawing a lot of ink and a lot of oxygen this week. But you said rarely, if ever, have you seen a Jeff Fisher team not be competitive in-game. And rarely are they blown out. Monday was a blowout. And in, yeah. your, and in your experience, traveling from St. Louis to Los Angeles, that actually is a rarity that the Rams are not in a game in the second half. Yeah, the only other game that reminded me of what we saw on Monday night against San Francisco was the London trip when New England came to town and just blew the doors off you. It started out great. The Rams scored first. Chris Givens, uh, Sam Bradford hit Chris Givens on a bomb for a touchdown. And then Tom Brady went to work, and it was just a laugher from there on out. So uh, that that was the only other time I can remember the Rams being blown out that bad. So... Look, I, I don't think that's what this team is and what they're going to be. I think that was just coming out of hard knocks, a lot of distractions, and you got your ass handed to you by the 49ers. So, it, like the, the kick return for touchdown, uh, the first preseason game against Dallas, best thing that ever happened to the special teams. Because it happened, look, I can coach off it, we can get better from there. This team just got hit in the mouth on national TV. I think they're going to circle the wagons after this. I don't think they're going to look as bad as they looked on Monday night. Again, 
Lucky Whitehead of the Dallas Cowboys yeah. will be the answer to a, a, a fun trivia question right. someday. Maybe twenty-eight nothing at Levi Stadium will be the answer to a trivia question in terms of where did a Rams championship yeah. run start? I hope so. When I they hope, return to Los Angeles, I hope five six weeks from now we're going to look back and go, "Hey, remember that time they got blown out in San Francisco?" <laughs> yeah, I, I hope I hope down the line we look back at this and laugh and not go, "Ooh, sign of things to come." talking about the Rams future a big part of that is securing draft pieces and players who have overperformed through their rookie contract we'll talk about that next with respect to Michael Brockers who they've secured to a three-year extension that plus a look around the NFC West it's our weekly divisional look here on Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr and JB Long on ESPN LA 710 and your ESPN app all right, let's go around the division, and we knew it would be an important start for the Los Angeles Rams because they played the entire division, all three opponents, in the first four weeks of the season. Got off to a rocky start, shut out at Levi's Stadium in the San Francisco Bay Area. You know, I don't think we even need to talk X's and O's when it comes to 49ers and Carolina Panthers. The Niners get the Monday night victory in shutout fashion. They turn around, they have to play the early game on the East Coast against the reigning NFC champs. That screams, screams scheduling loss. You think so? Um, I wonder how Carolina bounces back. I mean, I mean, the whole Cam Newton getting hit in the head and all that sort of stuff. They've I wonder how they bounce back. since last Thursday yeah, to go home to and rest. prepare and to lick their wounds. And San Francisco, I mean, look, it wasn't exactly a dogfight, you know, a phone booth battle. Um, they kind of had their way with the Rams' defense and, and vice versa. So, uh, look, maybe San Francisco puts up a, a better fight than we think versus Carolina. We'll see. The other division game features actually the Rams' next two opponents after this Sunday. They go to Tampa Bay and then to Arizona. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Cardinals meet in Glendale as this home-friendly early schedule continues for Arizona. Again, I, I wonder how the Cardinals bounce back. I am a big fan of Jameis Winston. I, I think he's got... You know, a bright future ahead of him. Uh, Four touchdown tosses last week. That team is only going to get better. He's only going to get better. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa actually beat him. If Jameis Winston goes head-to-head with Carson Palmer and wins in a shootout. I mean, uh, look, um, Arizona, I think, will be there at the end. But I think Tampa might catch fire early. So it could be a dogfight. We said it last week. One of the biggest scheduling advantages in the division, if not the biggest, was Arizona getting New England at home to start the season during the Brady suspension with no Gronk. And they had that one in their grasp and they could not cash it in. You wonder if come December that loss in week one will haunt the Arizona Cardinals if they're in contention for a division or a wild card spot. It's not going to go away. <laughs> when you had a chance, think about that, man. You lost to the uh, you lost to the Patriots without Brady and without Rob Gronkowski. What do you think that does to your psyche? That was your best chance to beat New England in a long time, and you let it get away. Still, I mean, just like the Rams, I bet Arians, Bruce Arians, is going to rally his troops, and they're going to play better football, more inspired football from this point on. So that's our look around the division: San Francisco going to Carolina. And then Tampa Bay traveling to Arizona. Of course, two other teams in the NFC West will meet at the Coliseum as the National Football League returns officially to Southern California, to Los Angeles. And as they get set to face the Seahawks, Michael Brockers has received a three-year contract extension, perhaps the most underrated piece of that vaunted defensive front. He does a lot of the dirty work that frees up some of the stat gatherers around him. Yeah, he does. He does a great job opposite of Aaron Donald. I mean, your job as a nose tackle with a guy like Aaron Donald is just secure the A-gap. And it's 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 twice as important now with 
who's behind him, Alec Ogletree and uh, and uh, the other safety that's playing linebacker. Mark Barron. Mark Barron, thank you very much. Uh, two light-in-the-pants linebackers. Uh, you're going to have to hold up that center guard gap longer than you would with actual thumpers in there. And Aaron Donald is a wild card. At some point in a game, he's just going to take off and try to make a play. So Michael Brockers has to be the stay-at-home guy. I think that is what was missing on game day on Monday early when Blaine Gabbert was exploiting the defense. Yeah, you had two B-gap rushers, two guys going after sacks. No one's staying at home on the point. So the pocket opened up like the Red Sea, and Blaine Gabbert took advantage. Now imagine if that's Russell Wilson. I don't care about the ankle. You give him that sort of space in the middle, he's going to take off. Every quarterback's going to take off. Brockers, the number 14 overall selection in 2012, first selection of the Sneed-Fisher era. What I like about him and what I like about this contract extension at this moment is he's still just 25 years old. So for a fifth-year player, you know his 26th birthday is not until near Christmas. So uh, he's played a lot. He's durable. He's coming off his most productive campaign, but not as much tread on the tires of a typical fifth-year player. So that's that's one encouraging sign. And I think he could be in line for a big week against the Seattle offense right now that's trying to find itself along its offensive line. Uh, Russell Wilson is dinged up. Dominican Sue and the Dolphins <laughs> rolled up on him last week, and it was one of the poor offensive line performances graded across the entire National Football League. In fact, they've had a recent history of not producing uh, some of the best pass and run protection, which makes what Russell and what – beast mode have done up there in seattle all the more impressive yeah the rams have had great games against russell wilson when it, when you look at the sacks and how many times he's been knocked down in sacks i mean the rams have gotten to him more than anybody else uh in this division so look uh michael brockers has had success aaron donald has has definitely had success and robert quinn has had success getting after uh russell wilson on the run it's not very complicated same thing you saw in san francisco you're going to see versus seattle that read option is coming again. So it's all disciplined football. So let's hope that you don't have to make halftime adjustments to stop the run game. You come out of the gate stopping the run, knowing what to do. Hey, I was asked on Seattle radio today, we heard so much about this Rams defense, Rams defense, Rams defense. Where were all the sacks? And I think that's someone up in the Pacific Northwest just looking at the box score and not seeing any. Is it fair to say that what Blaine Gabbard and Chip Kelly and the 49ers did offensively was designed to prevent sacks? I mean – there were eight tackles for loss. Gabbert was letting his running backs take the sacks by giving them the handoff. They were not asking him to take five- and seven-step drops because they played with the lead and they played with the downhill run. Go go back and watch the tape and just have fun and um, put a stopwatch on how fast he was releasing the football when he was throwing it. I mean, the ball is coming out. Now, sometimes when he took off and ran, that's that's on the Rams for you know violating the, the lane integrity rule as a pass rusher, but... For the most part, that stuff is coming out. Same thing Chase, uh, uh, Case Keenum is doing on the other side. He's not going to hold the football. The ball has got to come out. So, yeah, at some point in the back end, they're going to make those quarterbacks hold the football. And then, look, Aaron Donald was winning. Robert Quinn was getting there. The ball was just gone. So at some point, you're going to hold it. You're going to get sacked. And T.J. McDonald was getting there. Yeah. He was dropping ball carriers behind the line. He had half of those eight TFOs. Mm-hmm. You got to bring it. One other good note for the Rams defensively against the Seahawks and against Russell Wilson, who threw eight picks last year. Two of them belong to Tremaine Johnson. So we'll see if he They're goes good to friends. that side <laughs> of the field. They're good friends. Uh, final thoughts coming up here on Rams All Access. We'll also go inside the numbers with a statistical look at the matchup against Seattle. That's coming up on Rams All Access before we're done here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app.
Inside the Numbers as Rams All Access continues on ESPN LA and your ESPN app. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. You know, last season when the Rams went to Seattle and got that upset victory in the Pacific Northwest, they ended Seattle's franchise record of 25 games in a row rushing for 100 yards or more. No Marshawn Lynch this year. It seems like Thomas Rawls is going to move up a spot on the depth chart and get the start. Um, But we're going to spin that around looking ahead to this week's game. And as the Rams try to get Todd Gurley going, Seattle has not allowed a 100-yard back in 23 consecutive games. So That's impressive. How do the Rams get on track against what has been the NFL's best scoring defense four years running? You know, I... When you think about their their streak of not giving up a 100-yard rusher, the first guy that comes to mind is Cam Chancellor because you can't block everybody, and you're, you're going to expect your running back to you know, beat the, the unblocked guy. The problem is that unblocked guy most of the time is going to be either Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor, and they pack a wallop. So I think they do a great job at what they do. Uh, they're a great tackling team. Um, they, co- they can lower the boom, as in Legion of Boom, but – they do a great job of rallying to the football, and their strip attempts, their takeaway attempts are through the roof. Every time you see them, it's textbook. First guy rap, next guy comes in, he's ripping out the football, third guy secures tackle. Uh, it's just amazing what they do. Pete Carroll's an, he's an awesome defensive coach. So, look, uh, the Rams, their O-line, and Todd Gurley, especially when you put it out there that you're guaranteeing victory, uh, you've got your work cut out for you. But, look, it's going to happen at some point. Uh, that streak is going to fall. Um, it could be this week in in the Coliseum. So we'll see what happens. The Rams definitely aren't going to go away from the run game. They're not going to go away for their from their bread and butter for anybody. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens on, uh, this this Sunday. Uh, Seahawks defense hit Miami uh, nine times. Tannehill sacked him five times. So they really got after it uh, in their home stadium. They were tough on third down as well. Three of fourteen were the Dolphins. The Rams coming off a 3 of 15 performance on third down offense week one at San Francisco. Uh, You pointed out the penalties, uh, finding a way to stay on schedule and allow Gurley the opportunity to stay on the field on third down. He was jogging towards the far sideline too often after two downs last week. You know, there was way back when I I remember there was some high school where if you jumped off sides or had a false start, uh, you would remove your helmet and somebody from your team would slap you in the face. Jeez. (laughs) I like that. Why not? Let's bring that back. <laughs> Corporal punishment on the field, man. Come on now. Those mistakes are they're hard to overcome. You saw what a mistake can do when Todd Gurley throws a football at a player and you get the personal foul. What that does to your football team, what that does to your drive, it short circuits everything. Good field position, everything you've worked for goes away on one play. So you just can't have those. And that's on your quarterback. That's on your coordinator. That's on everybody on offense. You've got to be letter perfect there. It's hard enough to beat a a professional defense on game day. Don't help them with pre-snap penalties or penalties, period. This coming from the man who showed up three, four minutes late to the Jeff Fisher show yesterday and was uh, fined for conduct detrimental to bogeys by head coach Jeff Fisher, if I remember. That's a miscommunication. I'm just My saying, if, if you want to institute uh, forms of punishment, it's an awkward time to be doing that. That was you can't bring up old stuff. That was a couple of days ago. This it's, is Thursday. No, nah, it is just 24 beyond the 24-hour rule. Hour rule. Yes, You're right. it's over now. It didn't happen. It's gone. Let's uh, use that as an excuse to remind our audience that if you want to come out to the uh, Westlake Village and join us at Bogies, we'll be there Monday nights following a Sunday game. We'll see you at six o'clock for the Jeff Fisher Show. 
Oh, can, and by the way, Saturday, uh, I'll be at the grand opening of Barbecues Galore in Agora Hills. I want to make that mention. Um, from two, from noon to two, I'll be at Barbecues Galore, and I'll have some Rams cheerleaders with me. Going to be a lot of fun. Chance to win an autographed Jared Goff football and uh, tickets and other prizes. So come see me, and let's eat. And I'm not saving anything for JB. Just letting you know, I'm not going to bring you back a plate from a barbecue. Speaking of tickets, see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com slash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Visit vividseats.com slash Rams today. All right, let's spend just a minute on what Sunday is going to mean in the in the broader context of this franchise and this relocation to Los Angeles. Yes, we understand that Uh, emotions are down right now coming off a shutout loss that perhaps expectations for 2016 are not as high as they were the last time we hosted this show but win or lose Sunday there are going to be special moments and that is going to be a milestone that the Los Angeles Rams look to build off of and that a lot of us involved will remember for a very long time oh absolutely this is uh the culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people to finally have your home opener, your regular season opener here in the Coliseum. And, oh, by the way, it just so happens Pete Carroll's going to be on the other side. So, um, yeah, I mean, the shutout is going to factor in. It's going to factor into your prep. It's going to factor into the plays you call. Um, a lot of people were – they're concerned about the direction of the offense. They didn't see a whole lot of innovation there. So I would expect things that would wow your crowd. That would get them into it. Uh, good play, good hits, getting the ball out, takeaways and turnovers. Obviously, will do the job. But you know, Jeff Fisher is 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 one that really likes to play on special teams. So I'd say be prepared for anything. And he's beaten Seattle with special teams trickery a lot. Um, so I, I would I would bet that he's got something up his sleeve for the C, for the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. Be there at least thirty minutes early. Yes, if you want to see Red Hot Chili Peppers perform. Yeah. Yes. I may run in and, like, attack Flea. I'm a Flea fan. I am. I love to see that little dude play bass. So I I, I will be there. I can't wait. This is going to be a great time. So, um, look, let's hope the game turns out better than it did Monday night. The Chili Peppers were among the first to welcome the Rams back to Los Angeles. I remember family day at the Coliseum. There was a plane with a banner. Yeah. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers welcoming the Rams back to L.A. Give it away. Give it away. Uh, CeeLo Green is going to sing the national anthem. No kidding. Uh, I didn't know that. It'll be sold out. Uh, and then there's always something about looking good and playing good, right? Yes. And uh, if the pictures and the rumors and the things that I've heard online are true, the Rams are going to look good. They're going to look old school good Oh, nice. On I like that. Yes. Old school. Throwback? I'm not saying. You're not saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look good. Okay. Feel you know, good. You know something. You know some things. You're not telling us. You know some things. Uh, but when they come out of that tunnel, it'll feel special, more Good. so than the preseason game against the Cowboys, more so than family day. Uh, that'll be a moment to remember, and if you don't have chills when they come out, uh, check your pulse because that'll be something to Let's remember. Let's hope they give the Seahawks chills. Let's hope they make the Seahawks feel special, you know, and have them have that long ride home thinking about the butt whooping they just got in the Coliseum. Look, the Rams have a history of recent success playing the division well, mm-hmm. and they played Seattle very well last season. A week one overtime victory and then a late season trip to Seattle. What's kind of your one memory or takeaway from that 2015 sweep that we might see a taste of carried over here in 2016? Uh, in St. Louis, it was the Mountaineer play that caught everybody off guard. The uh, the punt return that fooled the Seahawks. It was 
a great piece of play calling by Bones Fossil and Jeff Fisher. Caught them off guard. And then Russell Wilson getting hot in the second half and the Rams being backed up on offense and calling a fake punt to keep possession and then win the game. So that was great. And then going up to Seattle, uh, a pit of hell for, 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 for Rams and Rams fans. And then seeing them win up there and watch the Seahawks walk off the field in disbelief. They're heading to the playoffs, but they just got their butts handed to them by the Rams. So that was cool to see them do that slow walk into the tunnel. They didn't trick you. They just beat you. Wait, you're telling me that a team that lost week one can still make the playoffs? Oh, yeah, it happens. Is that all, I mean, I just that struck me. Yeah. To all people that I think five this, of last year's playoff teams, it happened to them. We're not, yes. we're not sitting here saying the Rams are going to the playoffs, but right. it's important to note that week one results do not dictate. A yes. Let's just get this out of the way. There are no must wins in week one, period. Period. And we'll wrap on that. <laughs> ESPN LA Rewind is coming up next. This has been Rams All Access with Marco Farr and JB Long.